everybody, the SWP is brought to you by All Insurance Ontario and Jim K. Ford, where you can custom order your next Ford vehicle to ensure you get the exact vehicle you want at the right time. Easy steps. Jump online at jimkford.com, select your vehicle, choose your model, trim, and options. Then the Jim K. Ford team will contact you to confirm your selections and pricing and answer all your questions before your order is placed. Easy as that. Your vehicle created your way. Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or jimkford.com. Do you ever wonder how to answer the questions your insurance company is asking? What do they really want to know? Like I drive to work, but only twice a week. Let me deal with it for you. I'm literally an expert. I'm on your side virtually for free. Text me, Jared Gerard, 613-801-2659. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. The SWP with Steve Warren and Jim Jerome. Ottawa Sports Talk every weekday. All right, welcome to our program. It is the SWP. It's all about tales of sports and whatever. I'm Steve Warren, along with Jim Jerome. He's in Edmonton. I'm in the nation's capital. Jimmy, what's going on with you? Uh, Stevie, um, I should have gone into the car biz. Yeah? Or, or, well, I should have gone into the... Uh, you know what? I, I don't want to buy your, your, your car dealership. I don't want to own a car dealership. I just want to own the servicing department. Oh. Of the car dealership, okay. I just, I just want that cash, Stevie. Okay. Uh, so, what, what they do now, Steve, is uh, so I had to bring a car in of my son's, which uh, I'm driving for the summer because he's living the life of luxury with his mother and her new husband with four cars in the driveway for two people. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, lucky me, of course. So I scooped the car, uh, but it needs some work. Okay, Steve. Push button start, Stevie. Doesn't work. Okay, doesn't. Oh. It just uh, push button. Can't start. start it. That's a problem. Yep. What's that? You can't what? Can't start a vehicle. It's a bit of a problem. Yeah, exactly. So I get it in there. Uh, so I look into it a bit. Uh, it's ninety bucks for the. It's it's a brake switch, Stevie, which happens with these these older cars. That that the you know when you hit the brake, it's the only way you can start it, and the, that switch goes. So you need that brake switch. Okay, that's ninety bucks, Stevie. And it takes half an hour to put it in. Okay. So that's what this car needed. So let's call it 200. Okay. So I just went over and picked the car up, Steve, and paid the $592 bill. Okay. What happened? <laughs> I'm like, what the? Okay. So, Steve, here's what they hit you with. You know, Stevie, how I can just glaze over with very limited facts that I would have to follow, very limited storylines, and I can still can't pay attention. Okay. It's difficult for me, Steve. How do you think it was, Steve? And I'm going, well, I, what I did, Steve, was I looked, I went and phoned another dealership who's the same make as this car. To, that's how I found out, okay, about this is it's 90 bucks for this and a little bit of labor. And so I went over there. I said, let's go over this bill. And uh, I saw that the guy did the same thing. Yep, the parts there mm-hmm, and the labor. What's this other stuff for the 400 extra? So off he goes, Steve. How long do you think I lasted when he said, well, what we have to do is a diagnostic scan. Okay, and what's that? That's $94. And that scan tells us uh, what's needed for the card to check out all the uh, alternate problems that it may be consisting of whatever shows up in this scan, uh, which he had to do. And that was $264 to to uh, look at uh, half of the scan, 
to look at this part of the car. And then you needed a scam and a bendel rotor and a sludge pump. Exactly, Stevie. Exactly. <laughs> so off I went, got back in my car going, okay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I told you, my my father's uh, most doubting experiences, what, what I paid for service on a car, but... Anyway, well, you know what? Well, you need, if I was in Ottawa, I'd be right down the street, Stevie, to my buddies in Orleans. Absolutely. I was just going to say Jim K. Ford Service Department, second to none. Exactly. Good people there. Good people there, I tell you. You got Jim, you got Craig, the great guys. Great guys. So, anyway, jimkford.com. Anyway, let's jump in. Let's do it. We got lots to get to here. Sad note in the world of Hollywood today. I think most people, regardless of age, would know the name James Caan. George Burns died. George Burns? That's a while ago. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, he passed, yeah. 25 years ago. (laughs) I'm going to say like 35 years ago. Maybe, sir. (laughs) Anyway, James Caan has passed away. He would Mm. be known to younger listeners as the guy who played Buddy's dad in the Will Ferrell Christmas classic Elf. Right. And if you're of a certain vintage or you like classic movies, you'd know him from the first two Godfather films. A really good actor, got to say. Yeah, great passed actor. Away at, yeah. Passed away at 82. I'd say his most memorable moment, though, for me that I'll never forget. I know what it abs- is. Yeah. The absolute horror from the movie Misery. Yes. 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 Kathy Bates basically kidnaps him. He's finally had enough of his guff trying to escape. So while he's lying on his back... She props up what looks like a four by four fence post between his two ankles and then takes the old sledgehammer out and makes sure that James Caan is not getting away. Just absolutely breaks both ankles and not in the way, not in the way Connor McDavid might on the ice. We're talking sledgehammer, broken legs, nasty stuff, unforgettable. That's my most memorable James Caan movie moment. The other one he was in, uh, I think he did a show, and it might have been called Vegas, where he was the head of a casino. You could look that up, uh, but it was pretty good. I remember watching some of it. It certainly was a show that took place in Vegas uh, about the casino biz or something like that. Uh, Is that the one with De Niro? No, that's a movie. He, this was a series I think he did oh. where where he was the it, – it sounds like that movie, but it's not. It was a, it was a television series that he did. Well, but. it was one with Dan Tana. Remember Robert Urich? You're a catching man. How far back are you going? And that's me saying that when I go back very far. That was 1978 to 1981. Wow, just, uh, just a little while ago. Huh. <laughs> I can't believe I forget. <laughs> I forget Dantana. Uh, uh, let's see here. James Conn was in a show called Las Vegas with Josh Duhamel. Jimmy. And, yep. Boom. Tom Selleck was briefly in the show as well, but it was called Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. it ran from 2003 to 2008. There you go. See? Brian's song, though. Huh? Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Of course. Of course. He of played, course. Uh, played that, I cried. I cried. Yeah. Well, you had to. Yeah. It's, it's part of being a sports fan. A male sports fan has to cry at Brian's yes. song. Somewhere. Sometime. Yeah. Anyway, certainly a great actor and a great career and some sad news in the world of Hollywood. Um, Jumping in, though, on the sports side of things, it's the NHL draft tonight as we're recording this. Uh, It gets underway tonight, and uh, first round, that is. I wanted to play here Jason York. 
good friend of the program. He was on the Suspendables a couple of weeks ago. And he had some advice for young players that think they're going early in the NHL draft. Some pretty uh, pretty frank advice. Now, keep in mind, mm-hmm. Jason York comes at it from the perspective of he was overlooked in not one but two NHL drafts and went off to his third NHL draft before he finally got picked. So here's Jason talking about the draft. Draft day is hell. It's hell, man. I I went so that that gong show of a year I had in Hamilton. Somehow, yes. <laughs> somehow, somehow I was rated thirtieth overall in the draft, like thirtieth overall. Wow. So wow. So, I get, I get this agent, Bill LaForge says me, he goes, well, you got to have an agent here. Rick Kern's going to be your agent. So I, Rick Kern, because my sure. agent, I go down to the draft, I'm sitting in the Montreal form, got my little suit on, waiting to get called, never get drafted. Sat through the draft, never got picked, uh, went back with my, uh, went back uh, home and then got traded to Windsor and then uh, got overpassed again. And then finally in year three, same thing. I, I, I say, I'm not going to the draft. My agent's like, I had a new agent at the time. It's Pat Morris. He's like, you're coming to the draft. You're getting picked in the third or the fourth round. So I'm like, all right, I'll come. So I ended up, I ended up going up to Vancouver. Third round comes, fourth round comes, oh, fifth man. round comes. So after the sixth round, they take a break. They, they take the draft board down. And I said, I'm not I'm leaving. I'm going home. I'm down with hockey. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. So, uh, uh, Detroit gets the first pick when they uh, were back from their hour recess, and uh, I get picked. This is my claim to fame. I'm the first pick on the second draft board they put up after, after they're the done. break. <laughs> after the break, after the break, the draft. You see all these great stories. People are happy. First rounders. Blah blah blah. It's uh, unless you know you're going in the first round, do not go. Do not go. It's it's not fun. Stay home, kids. Stay yeah. home, <laughs> according to Yorkie. And he almost yeah. he almost missed the third draft as well. Like he had to be convinced to go to the third draft. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then finally, in the sixth round, the sixth round of your third draft, everybody tries to convince you. Now you'll be going. There you go. Or you're going to. And they almost missed it again. Seven round draft, I think. And uh, he was finally picked. It is a crapshoot, and you never mm-hmm. know for sure. But it's a little different these days where. Um, particularly in the first round. There's not many guys who are going to be in Montreal tonight uh, at the first round who don't, who aren't going to get drafted at all. Right. Uh, you know, we interviewed uh, on the show this week, right? We interviewed Craig Styles about these elite players. Uh, it's a great segment uh, that you want this, this tournament that they're doing. And, and when asked Stevie, he, he's been doing it for 32 years. Okay. For these 10 year olds, the best in the continent who you're talking about who, the brick tournament in Edmonton. Right. Right. So they're, they're handpicked individually, these kids, scouted to to be selected for this tournament. So it literally is the best kids. It's made up of, I think it was 14 teams this year. Uh, when asked, though, you've been doing this for 30-plus years, are the kids better today than they were 30 years ago? And the answer is unequivocally, uh, I'll go like 50 times better. You right. know, like they're 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 just getting better. How much better, Steve? Do you think hockey players can get? Like if, when when you watch McCarr and 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 Connor and fucking Ovi and you know these other guys who are anywhere from sort of winding their career down to just getting going. Um, you know some some of the stuff, Steve, we've seen 
over the last couple of years on the ice. We've spent several minutes the next day going, did you see that move and that goal and that pass and that save? You know, it's just like incredible. So uh, the kids keep getting better and better and better. You know, the biggest change they're saying is, is, is the parents are freaking out a little more. So now they're, what was one of them, Steve, where the, it's not uncommon. Craig was telling us that some of these parents will rent ice for oh, yeah. their kid. Yep. Not, 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 not for a play date here. Okay. I stayed with a guy, Stevie, whose kid actually, you know, ended up making the NHL. And, but when he was playing his junior hockey, his college hockey, I went, I went down to LA to visit them and it was summer. Hockey was done, and uh, the the kid came downstairs, followed by the goalie coach Steve. That's working with him every day for the next seventy five days until hockey right. starts again. Like it's just crazy. It's crazy, you know. Yeah, and I think it's uh, it's still a common take from people quoting Wayne Gretzky how important it is to take time off from hockey and play other sports. I'd like to have a quick little chat with every guy who's drafted in the first round tonight and see how much time they truly took off. Um, I think you're at a real deficit. It's not that you can't make the NHL, but I, I don't think you can shut down for four or five months to play other sports like you once could. I think it's just right. a it's a year-round venture now. Everybody's, you know, if they're not working on the physical part, getting stronger and bigger and faster mm-hmm. and all that, um, you're working on the mental part. You're working on, you know, hockey skills. Mm-hmm. It, it just mm-hmm. It's just a never-ending thing. And uh, I, I don't know the answer, to be honest, but I know it's a lot more than Gretzky's day when tons of guys would take the year off yeah. and work on the old Molson muscle on top of everything else. You think back as we're about to, this fall, Jimmy, we're going to hit the 50th anniversary of the famous Team Canada Soviet Union right. Summit Series, right? That's right, the 50th right. anniversary. And right. I think the only reason that Canada got out to such a bad start was because that's what they did. Everybody did the same thing in the off season. They just shut her down, head to the Muskokas, drink right. beer, and, and they use training camp to get in shape. Um, the Russians taught them a big lesson, and uh, slowly but surely over the decades, um, it's a non-starter to take your summers completely off. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't know if I agree with Russ on this, right? Because everyone everyone always says, comes up with this angle. How would... How would uh, Brian Leach or Steve Eiserman or Wayne Gretzky or Mary Lemieux or, or Timo Solani, uh, you know, Yari Curry, Paul Coffey. How would these guys do today? Right. How would they do today in the league? Right. So it's it's 37 years later. OK, from right. I'm thinking 1985. Right. Or the 80s when all those guys played. And and a lot of people go not a chance. Right. They're not a chance. The guys are way bigger. The guys are way faster. Yada, yada, yada. And, and Russ goes, they, they would still be the best. They would still be the best. And I kind of go on, hmm. Well, I guess they would be the best if they, I don't know, put on 20 pounds, added right. 10, more, 10 miles an hour quicker with their, with their speed. <laughs> I don't know, right? I, 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 I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Uh, so I, what do you think? Well, I was going to say the... Uh... You know, there's so many things that have to go well for a player to be a, a true superstar. You have to have such passion and drive and uh, you have to have all the tools. You have to be mentally strong. There's just so many things that goes into being one of these great players tonight. And uh, you think about goaltending, that's an entirely different sport almost. They're doing right. their own thing. You think about coaches, 
Um, there's so many coaches that just basically tell the goalie coach, okay, you deal with that. All I know is I want you to stop the puck. That's all I know. And then right. I deal with the skaters. And so at draft time, it's really hard to figure out an 18-year-old goaltender. Right. Every 18-year-old right. is hard to figure out. They're teenagers. Uh, what they are right now might be great against their peers, but the idea, the the, the whole charm of this thing, the science of it is figuring out how, what you're going to progress into. It's mm-hmm. easiest for forwards. It's a little trickier for defense, and it's almost impossible to figure out an 18-year-old goalie. And that's largely why you, you see maybe two or three goalies in the first round every year because nobody has any faith that they know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to 18-year-old goalies. Right, right, um, right. So with the Sens, they went out free agent shopping. Well, I, should, I should say they made a deal a couple of years ago to bring in Matt Murray from Pittsburgh. There's a guy mm-hmm. that's won two Stanley Cup rings. Right. So we know he can play in the NHL. We know that guy's capable of, of giving us what we want one day, and that's a cup ring. So they bring him in two years ago, and he's been injured. Um, probably struggling would be a good word. He's had some good moments, but uh, he certainly struggled through most of those two years. So today, the Sens, two years into a four-year contract that pays him $6 million a year, they, according to Elliot Friedman, they traded Matt Murray to Buffalo and his $6 million a year contract. They trade him to Buffalo and all I can see here is that, according to Darren Drager, all Ottawa was going to get was they would lose their seventh overall pick, and they'd trade it to Buffalo for their 16th overall pick, and Buffalo would get Matt Murray as well. That was the deal that Elliot Friedman said went down, but Matt Murray said no. He had a no-movement clause. Buffalo was on his list of cities he wouldn't go to, and mm-hmm. so he, he scuttled the trade. So I think, in a way, Matt Murray may have saved Pierre Dorian's job today by saying no to this trade. Right. Because Pierre Dorian, he's a guy that just made this signing two years ago. We just talked yesterday about Colin White and the big deal that Dorian gave him, and he just bought him out. So that's a big mistake to, to admit to. Now he's doing this with Matt Murray, and he's going to, in the process, worsen his first-round draft selection tonight. I would like to think there's more involved in that trade than than we're hearing, but uh, I want to I want to wait... Because I feel like we're looking at little snapshots of a right. big picture. So, you know, maybe he wants to save all that money on Colin White and Matt Murray to really go big game hunting. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the optimist side of me. And, and maybe now, you know, when you see the big picture, you go, oh, I get it. But it really looks to me, if I'm to be honest with myself, that the Sens are trying to save money to go out and basically take care of their own free agents that they've got to get signed and not so right. much trying to go out and add and improve that way. Like so many Sens fans are hoping. Right. Right. So, so I agree. Well, yeah, the it's always this money saving thing with the Sens, you know, it is. You it know? is. I really don't think a lot has changed right now. I think it's still kind of working under Melnick's previous business philosophies. So if that's the case, none of this should be a big surprise to anybody. Yeah. I've, I have a I have a source, Stevie. The the scoop is they got no money. That Melnick, there's no money left. That you know on this this potential LeBreton flat deal, uh, the girls are gonna sell the team. That's my not a bad source that I had from that. Oh, well, I think that uh, for the most part, I'll everybody tell you listening after. right now. Yeah. Okay, I think everybody listening right now is a Sens fan would say they would welcome a new 
deep pocketed owner who wants to run this thing like, uh, well, the way the rest of the NHL owners do for the most part. And that's uh, reinvesting everywhere that you need to reinvest. Bigger hockey operations departments, um, spending the money you need to for a top coach, GM, president, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move on to some other things. We, uh, of course, know the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've got uh, quite a bit of signings to worry about. The, the first shoe is dropped there in that Chris Letang, one of the big three, has agreed to a six-year deal worth $36 million. Wow. Coming off a career-high 68 points this year, and he was supposed to be a UFA on July 13th. And uh, so a nice deal for him. And he is a career penguin now because he is 35 years of age. And uh, Ron Hextall is the GM there now and says, uh, Chris epitomizes what it means to be a penguin. The role he plays in our team is irreplaceable. He's a leader. He's made countless contributions to the organization over 15 years. We're thrilled to make him a penguin for life. And that's always Chick the Ching Tang. Yeah. Chick Ching La Tang. La Chick Ching Tang. There it is, Steve. That's a better one. The Chick Ching Tang. Chick Ching? Is that anything yeah, like cash, Chick- Stevie, the cash, like- Stevie. The, the slot machine. The Chick Ching, you know, isn't it? It's a cha, I think, at the start. Cha. No, Chick- Stevie, when you when you hit the jackpot. Chick Ching, the money. All right, fair enough. Take a break. You got to take a break here. You forgot to take a break. All right, I'll take a break here. Man, man. Got this stuff I'm doing to keep this show on the rails. Oh, yeah, it's man. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. We'll take a time out of the program. When we return, we'll get into Wayne Gretzky buying a hockey team, and the Alouettes have already fired their head coach. Man, is the CFL East bad. That's after these words. You've heard a lot from me over the last three years, and I think I can help you. My goal is to save you money, and I'll make it easy, too. I won't waste your time with 25 questions about whether you got your G1 on a Tuesday or a Friday. Text QUOTE to 860-6008 to get started. All Insurance Ontario, your modern boutique broker. If you're thinking about a nice used vehicle for the summer, but maybe a little uncertain about it, you definitely want to try and make a smart choice as best you can. Well, Jim K. Ford, I can tell you, removes all your worries. Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa certified pre-owned Ford dealer. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, history report of the vehicle, purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more? That's peace of mind. Check out jimkford.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. want to tell you about our friends as well at Glen Walton Real Estate. The Glen Walton Real Estate team. If you need help navigating this crazy Ottawa housing market, that's where you go. For sellers, Glenn's services include staging, painting, cleaning, and of course, negotiating all the offers coming in. And for buyers, Glenn is the expertise to help you land your dream home. So if you're looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, contact Glenn today, glennwalton.com. So you're a former friend who used to contact you all the time to say hi and things. <laughs> yeah. uh, Wayne Gretzky is now the minority owner of the OHL's Niagara Ice Dogs. Does he not have enough on the go here? Um, minority owner granted. The OHL Board of Governors unanimously approved the transfer of the team, the Niagara Ice Dogs, to a majority owner by the name of, I don't know if you know him, if he's part of your uh, circle of former friends. Uh, the majority <laughs> owners, Darren DeDobelaire. I had no idea. Yep. And then there's... Uh, I hardly know the last name Gretzky anymore, Steve. So how would I know Dadabalair? <laughs> I mean, between all his broadcasting initiatives right now and uh, yeah. all those gambling uh, commercials that he's involved in, 
I find it interesting that he's uh, he's keen to be a minority OHL owner. He kind of walked that back in the day with Charlie Henry and Bruce McNall when they all owned the Hull Olympics. Right. I've, I've got to be a tax situation, Steve, when we hear about these announcements coming out of left field. Uh-huh. Tax time's been kind of extended to June, July because of COVID. You sit down with the old accountant. Oh, we need a write-off here. You got to, you know. Otherwise, you're going to get whacked with some. I, I, I'm not an accountant, Steve, but yeah, why? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he loves the game and all that, but it's kind of a weird one. Kind yeah, of he, a was weird part, one. he was part owner of the Phoenix Coyotes back in the day. Mm-hmm. They filed for bankruptcy in 09, and he relinquished his share at that stage, became a minority partner in the Oilers, left that role in 2021. And his mm-hmm. quote here is, I'm really excited about being back in junior hockey and I've always loved it. To be partnered with a fellow friend from Brantford is so exciting for all of us, and we can't wait to get started. Yeah, so there I you go. That might be your answer right there. He might just be doing a favor for a friend. Right. Could be, For sure. And that's his style, for sure. Uh, I think he owns a piece of a lacrosse team in Vegas, too. Oh, okay. I think so. Uh, he's buying up the world. Well, not, not, <laughs> not quite. But. The world is Gretzky's, and we just live in it. Yes. Finally, the Montreal Alouettes have fired their head coach, Kahari Jones. GM Danny Machocha takes over. Machocha used to be the Eskimos quarterback back in the day. Yes. The Eskimos, now the Elks. Um, I find it interesting that you're blowing guys out in week four of the season, particularly when you're in the CFL East, where, well, the CFL East always seems to be inferior to the CFL West. The Alouettes got off to a one and three start, and Machocha said, this is always a difficult decision to make, but we felt we needed to make it early in the season while there's still time. Again, they're in second place with yeah. one win, with one win right now. And yeah. you do the math right Not now. Not bad in the East, though, Stevie. The no, one win. CFL yeah. is- Absolutely. I, I looked at the, uh, at the stats. Right now, the East has played 11 games collectively. The four teams have all played 11 games. I think that's the number. Yeah. Let me double check on that. Hang on. Uh, yeah. Check on that, Steve. I got to check on that. Uh, and you get music too. So three, uh, seven, ten, 14 games. The CFL East has played 14 games right now. Mm-hmm. Do you want to you wanna take a guess at what their collective win total is in those 14 games? 15. In 14 games, how do you win 15? Oh. Well, you asked me to take a guess. It's uh, a terrible guess. It's impossible. Seven, half, no, 50. Two. The four teams have collectively played 14 games and they've collectively won twice. A record of 2 and 12 to start the year for the CFL East. And uh, that's why with the Red Blacks at 0 and 3, and I think all their losses have come against two teams that are undefeated still at West. That's why I'm saying that's what, and a lot of people thought I was crazy. But when they were 0 and 3, I said, uh, the Red Blacks are 0 and 3, but I'm guaranteeing you they win the CFL East. Oh. How's that anyway. going? Yeah, they still might. Steve. I don't know. I, I got to wait till the Grey Cup is actually awarded and all that stuff, and the season plays itself out. But I'm right. telling you, I think the Red Blacks will be the uh, best team in the East when all is said all right. and done. Nice. But uh, they've lost twice to the defending champions in Winnipeg, and then lost last week to BC. And those two teams, they have not lost a game yet. So at least the Red Blacks can hang their head on that, or hat hat on that. In that they've been playing some really awesome Western teams when they get around to playing the East, I guess next week, this week they have Saskatchewan, which is three and one. 
Mm. So who knows? Uh, they might be the best 0-4 team in the league. But once they get around to playing the East, they're going to trample them. You watch, sir. You okay. watch. All right. You got to believe. That, we'll take our leave with that. Any final thoughts today, James? Uh, there. How was that? Uh, how about Zalatoris chipping thoughts today? Thoughts are thoughts, Steve. You don't express them. They're thoughts. They're in my head. I see. How about right. Zalatoris today on the PGA Tour with a with a good long chip, and his shot fell, his ball fell directly on Matthew Fitzpatrick's ball marker. Yeah, like, and everyone freaked out. I'm like, well, just, you know, I'm sure you you can figure out that you just kind of move the ball to the side. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's or I mean, the... you pick your ball up, you know, and and you you both have the same. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Well, I, I mean, you keep, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's, I don't know. I thought it was cool because, I mean, it's a poker chip too. It's not even, I mean, it had to get up on the poker sh- chip and stay there. I don't know. It's just, uh, I've never seen it before. I introduced a little golf talk in large well, part here's to what's gonna give happen, you a chance Steve, you to make talk a good about point. golf. You make a good point. The poker chips are high. Usually you have to have a flat marker like a coin or the ball marker, the plastic one with the little spike, and you push it down. There's going to be a rule change, Stevie. Okay? No more no more poker chips. All right. Yeah. Okay. This is gripping shit, man. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> Who had the worst final thought today? Jimmy yeah, it was nothing, me. It was me. or yeah, me yeah. with the poker chip? I don't with know. The poker chip thing. Yeah. We'll leave it to future scholars to uh, determine. Uh, we'll call it quits there. Our website, stevewproject.com. Thank you for being with us today, ladies and gentlemen. And we'll talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. We'll see you.